Hi, and welcome to the Gallows Humor Podcast. I'm your host, J.J. Elliott. If you're new to this podcast, thanks for stopping by. And if you were here last week and you're back again, I imagine you're the sort of person that uh, can see a traffic accident ready to happen. You have to you have to go within to, to see the carnage. Um, what this podcast is attempting to do is talk about a story I've written, analyze the underlying theme of the story, and talk about where the idea came from. At least that's what I tell myself. What really happens, I start talking about a topic and then wildly jump on a diversion path because, well, you know, it, it, it was right there. So a, um, a quick recap about myself. J.J. Uh, Elliott is an author. Uh, he writes fiction stories, and he's an all-around fearless guy. He's uh, the person who's, like, most comfortable in his skin and enjoys his solitude. He shares his home with his only companion, the world's smartest cat, Artie. And um, JJ speaks the truth as he sees it. You know, he um, he's an extrovert, and he sees and he believes in the goodness of people. Well, at least um, in most people, um, he's just a fierce defender and a believer in the idea of redemption and second chances, and that good and evil uh, both do coexist in this world. Um, he's also the uh, alter ego of Jim Elliott, who is the guy with all the anxieties. Um, as I say, Jim is the guy who has to pay the bills and, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, do the grocery shopping and make sure the, the uh, car has gas in it. Um, but Jim is uh, he's a guy who's uh, had kind of a shitty childhood and was married and divorced twice. Um, uh, he's um, he's a person who um, fears, uh, his biggest fear is that he will probably die alone, uh, unmourned and unloved. He is uh, most definitely uh, a pessimist. Uh, you know, where a regular pessimist would say that glass is half full, Jim would say that glass has been poisoned. Um, anyway, J.J. Um, Elliott, he sleeps comfortably through the night, you know, uh, unencumbered by uh, any 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 guilt or uh, or um, or regrets. Uh, Jim, on the other hand, he is plagued with restlessness, and uh, every night he relives his failures over and over again in his head. Uh, I like to say that uh, Jim experiences life, and JJ writes fictional stories about those experiences, and the two of us take turns talking about JJ's books in this podcast. I know it sounds a little psychotic, but don't worry. It's not that complicated. Just sit back, and um, I'll do the heavy lifting, okay? Yeah, okay, great. Anyway, that's all the way. So uh, uh, we're going to – I started last week talking about uh, the book Gallows Humor, um, and I'm going to continue with that uh, at least for the next uh, few weeks. And so the, if you're new, again, Gallows Humor is a uh, collection of short stories that represent uh, different holidays. Uh, so the, the story I talk about today is called Spark. It is the Labor Day story. Um, and this is a, a flat-out uh, science fiction story. This takes place in the, in the 1960s. Um, I put it there because, um, well, um, Jim really loves this time period. Uh, this is the, uh, it, maybe because of all the things that were happening uh, in, in the country at the time, or happening in Jim's life, whatever, uh, in, in the 60s, a lot of things were, uh, uh, were, were going on. Obviously, uh, 
there were a lot of tumultuous changes happening around around him. Right, uh, he's a he's a he's a young kid, but um, he's still cognizant of the um, of the Vietnam War that's going on. Um, we're, we are right in the beginning of um, the civil rights struggle, and uh, and of course um, the culture in the in the country is changing. Right, um, the uh, the music, just let's just to talk about music, for example. It was going, uh, at least in my, my household, uh, when we listened to the radio, my dad and mom used to listen to um, uh, the crooners, you know, the Frank Sinatras and uh, 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 Dean Martins and, uh, and those, those uh, singers from the uh, 40s and 50s. But now on the radio, you're hearing uh, the beginnings of... Um, of rock and roll, and uh, boy, I tell you, my parents uh, just hated it, absolutely hated it. But um, you know, uh, Jim, growing up, uh, you know, this was the music that started to um, to, to appeal to him. Um, there's also his, the the big thing, of course, in the '60s that happened uh, happened to Jim. Is the, the biggest thing ever was um, the discovery of comic books. Now, uh, he, uh, he was a reader from uh, way back uh, at the time he was small. And maybe because he had an older brother who, who uh, you know, shared comics or with him. And uh, his mom would just uh, toss him books. Here, read this, read this, read this. And uh, he was a reader at a very early age. And uh, uh, when I started school, I, I skipped uh, third Excuse me. I skipped second grade, just because of my um, reading ability, and went from first grade to third grade. There's a story that happened in between there. Actually, I'll tell you about it now. So, um, you know, I was in uh, first grade for about, or um, I was in second grade for probably about uh, two or three weeks. You know, they're doing assessment testing. They're giving us assignments to do, and uh, the teachers are in awe. At least I think they are. That's how it's been called. That's what the story's been called to me of my ability to read, and uh, they were giving me. Uh, Harder and harder books to read. It's like, oh my God, this guy is—he—he um, he not only can read the book, the, the books, he understands it. His comprehension is really good. And so, uh, this day decided they talked to my, my parents about having me skip a grade. From uh, you know, I don't need to stay in second grade. Uh, my my math skills are, are just as good as my English skills. So um, maybe we should move to the third grade. And we were living in San Francisco at the time. And it was kind of a cool little setup in the school where uh, there were three levels of playground. You know, the, there was a uh, playground for the um, uh, first and second graders that was on the um, on the bottom level. Uh, the middle level was for um, the third and um, fourth graders, and then on top were for the uh, fifth and sixth grade. Uh, I think it was a kindergarten, but they were someplace else. Either they didn't, they shared the, the playground with the first and second graders, or they were in their own little area. But that was a hierarchy, right? You moved from one playground to the next playground, and so um, one of my proudest moments was to be able to move from that little that low playground to the middle playground. And I remember people were like, "What are you doing here? You are a second grader." And it's like I am not a second grader. Um, and I remember the very first day that they, they moved me there, we, we were all staying up, 
they gave me the here's your new teacher and this is your uh, uh this is where you're going to be and um so we were uh, lined up to do the pledge of allegiance outside uh we usually did it outside you know the school was pretty big unless it rained uh, and then of course only we just you know do it in, in the classroom but the you know the school liked to have everybody out at one time and so there it was i was uh, lining up uh, for my third grade class and um the teacher put me right in the, the front of the class so you know i was really proud standing there um uh and as they start the pledge of allegiance and they put my hand in my heart and i started you know um i pledge allegiance to the flag and just like after there um some bird uh shit on my head not just a little plop but a very large you know gastro bomb that he just dropped that hit me on the head and on my shoulder and, and it just ran down the, the front of my shirt and um now we're facing forward so the only people who can see me really are, are the teachers and 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 some of the kids who are holding the flag and, and leading everybody and um they start laughing i mean you know here's this kid just got shit on by a bird and it was humiliating and I remember just starting to cry and, and one of the teachers is like no, don't worry about it she's just all she could do is keep herself from just laughing as they take me into the you know to the uh, uh, officer back room or whatever the nurse's room or whatever to try to clean the um, uh, the bird shed on my head and uh, clothes and you're laughing oh don't worry about it. no one no one notices and the teachers I can hear them talking to themselves and giggling or whatever and um, and so instead of being able to go into the class with the uh, uh, with my new classmates uh, you know, I, I go in there a little later because you know they were cleaning the bird shit on my head and of course now I have to walk down the hallway and then into the classroom and when they open you know open the door you know whatever was going on um, everything stops right and the new kid walks in I, I'm walking in there and, and I can hear already the, the snickering um, and pointing and whispering and whatever it was and oh my I'm just feeling um, just feeling red and the teacher um, you know classes are new students today uh, and uh, go 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 take a seat find it find an empty seat and so they end up sitting in the back whatever but um, it was just the uh, my worst first uh, first day in, in class you know um, and, and here's one of the things that, uh, that I think um, uh, I could tell that the uh, universe has it out for Jim um, in, in all your time uh, whoever's listening to this how many times would you say a bird has ever crapped on you you know maybe maybe once okay in, in my lifetime I've been crapped on five times by birds now one of it was my own fault uh, uh, admittedly which was um, you, you know when I was in uh, I was in college and I, I was driving to class and um, I was looking for a place to park and there was only one place to park and it was under this tree and you could tell that the tree had uh, the, the parking uh, the, the, the parking spot on the tree was just you know dotted with um, with, 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 with uh, uh, dried up old bird crap and it was a and so you could see that there was a reason why that spot in the parking lot was not filled but man I was getting late had a park there anyway and uh, I swear no sooner that I got there they could hear the 
you know, staccato drumbeat, birds like, hey, uh, some assholes barking here. And, um, and so I open the, um, uh, the door, okay, I count to three, you know, I'm gonna try to fake these birds out, you know, try to juke them a little bit, uh, make sure I have, all, you know, I got all my stuff with me, and um, bolt out of the car, boom, missed the tree underneath, ha ha, nothing, got it, perfect, out. Oh crap, I left my keys in the car. Put my keys in the car. Shoot, that means I gotta do this again. So this time I'm gonna try to run back into it, you know, yell at the birds, get out, get away. And as I try to make a dash for it, I catch my knee on the on the door, it slows me down a little bit, and of course then a bird crapped on it. And I swear I can almost hear it laughing, but you know, I got my keys, went went to class and try to wipe the smear off my um, off my shirt between you know anyway. Um, so that was uh, that was uh, another time. There was a third time, but there was another time at, I think at Disneyland. But okay, anyway. So um, uh, back to the sixties. Anyway, so that was that was the uh, that was a big big deal for me. Um, but of course, in the sixties is when I discovered um, comic books, and that was um, the thing that um, changed my life. Uh, is I, I think I've told people before that uh, um, growing up, my sense of, um, of morality um, was developed uh, from the readings of um, um, Stan Lee and the artwork of Jack Kirby. Uh, those were I learned about um, um, courage and uh, teamwork and devotion to a cause, uh, the belief in, in good, uh, the idea that good trans, uh, will uh, triumph over evil, um, that one guy, one man can make a difference. Um, but all the things I think that were uh, virtuous in life, uh, I learned from, from reading comic books, and it was, um, uh, it, was, it was changing for me. It was a big deal. In the 60s, it changed for me too because I started reading um, uh, Batman and Superman and Batman, which were, you know, um, standard fare at that time. Uh, most of the Justice League stuff. So there was, you know, you, you had your Superman and your Batman, your Flash and your Green Lanterns and um, Hawkman. And those were great stories. They were, you know, they were, you know, um, standard comic book stories that you would expect to see. But the, the writing of it uh, and the artwork were very reminiscent of the of the 50s you know they had just transitioned from one to the other and and, and the decade didn't seem to mean anything um but over at marvel that the comics were a little different you know my brother we used to go down to the uh, rexall uh, drugstore to buy to buy our comic books and uh that was uh it was kind of a cool thing because uh the uh pharmacist it was just right in front of the the, uh, the, the pharmacy and um, he didn't care that uh, if you, uh, the pharmacist didn't care if you sat there and, and read the comic book. As long as you didn't, um, you know, flip it over, bend it, destroy the cover, uh, you know, uh, put a crease in it. You could read it, sit there, read it, put it, and, and then leave. He, obviously better if you bought it. And back then, comic, comic books were, uh, were 12 cents. Um, we, we did get a, a kind of an allowance. And I'm trying to think that uh, back then, but... I had an allowance if it was it was it was probably uh, 
you know, like a dime or something like that uh, uh, at the time. Uh, and it wasn't, um, you know, my parents didn't like, they were like, okay, here's your allowance, you know, weekly, get your dime. They did it when they remembered, right? And they're feeling good, you actually might, might get a quarter. And back then, uh, in the early 60s, there was uh, my older brother, older sister, and myself. My younger brother, uh, I guess, in the, he came about maybe 60, 62 or something like that. So, you know, he was just the baby, so, you know, he didn't really count. Anyway, so the three of us, uh, we, we would get an, a, an allowance, and so um, that's what I spent it on. Every, every dime I, I had um, went to comic books. I, I wasn't a big uh, fan of uh, candy and gum, and uh, although I didn't, you know, I wouldn't turn it down. But if I had a choice between, um, you know, buying, um, say, a, 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 a Three Musketeers bar or wait a week, and maybe get a couple of comic books. Well, I I put that off and just buy the comic books. And the first ones I think I bought from from Marvel were um, was a Spider Man and a Fantastic Four, and then a later an X Men. And um, blown away, absolutely blown away. One was that the um, the language in the comic books were uh, that in Marvel had um, didn't seem to talk down the. The kids that they were they uh, what I viewed how adults spoke to each other right and so the characters that they they had which were mostly adult characters they just they just talked and it looked like the way regular people would talk and of course uh, Jack Kirby's artwork was just uh, phenomenal uh, the uh, his heroic poses for, for, for characters like um, you know uh, like Captain America and the, the Hulk, uh, Iron Man, you know, it, there was just, there was just, um, there was no, nobody came even close. The, um, uh, in Spider-Man, it was, that arc was done by uh, Steve Ditko, who had a kind of a, um, a very uh, loosey, loose style. So Spider-Man's movement just looked so fluid and so weird uh, where he was bending in really odd ways. Um, it sort of, sort of fit the character, but, uh, but um, Fantastic Four was a big deal because that was, uh, to me, a family. These guys were family. And they, they talked like family and fought like family. And the X-Men were all teenagers, right? Although I wasn't a teenager, and I kind of looked up to teenagers because, you know, they uh, these guys were, uh, they were the closest to my to my generation. But anyway, so that is the big, big deal to uh, to Jim was, was getting comic books and reading them. And, and um, of course, my dad... Uh, didn't like the idea of comic books, although he's the one who sort of started it on us. My brother was sick one time; he bought him some comics, and uh, uh, and you know when he was uh, when he was sick in bed and he read them. Um, and uh, right, oh, sorry, that I don't think you hear Artie talking right now. What, what is it? You have something to say? You do. What's that about? Okay. Um, I'm going to have to put this on pause for a second as I feed my cat. Hold on. So this um, podcast, by the way, uh, I did feed Artie, by the way, is a one-man operation. Uh, I can tell you it's a, it's in a studio, but it's actually a, a desk and a microphone and a computer. And uh, uh, I have two screens up. One uh, shows uh, the podcast running. And then one are notes about what I'm supposed to talk about, which um, I almost never follow. Uh, but anyway, um, getting back to the... Uh, uh, to where I was, which I don't really remember. Um, uh, 
the, the comic books were a big deal to me. So that's what kind of changed my life. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know if it's for the good or the better or whatever, but that's 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 what uh, made Jim Elliott the, the, the guy he is, or at least uh, brought J.J. Elliott to the forefront because now he was interested in indie stories. And, um, and as a kid, I tried to write my own. From the earliest age that I could, I could read. I wanted to write, and I wanted to write these stories. And I liked the idea of. Uh, well, for me, Spider-Man was was the guy because um, you know Peter Parker in the early days was the guy that everyone just picked on. It, it, no one liked him. He was he was small. He was skinny. He was scrawny. He was um, smart, but it didn't seem to matter. He was picked on. Um, but he never fought back because once he became Spider-Man, he, he, he knew he, he could he could hurt them. And so he didn't. And so he would take the humiliation that, that was thrust upon him and um, um, and he didn't he never let it get him down. And that's the guy that's the guy I wanted to be. Similar in the Fantastic Four, there was the thing who was just this, you know, if you guys know the thing, he's a character made of made of rocks and he is um, he's ugly um, but he was also the the funniest guy in the group you know he learned to accept of what he what he looked like and who he was and that regardless of that the team needed him they needed him and he was important and they never made fun of him the torch every once in a while did but it was always good natured making making fun of him but he just accepted himself for who he was, and um, that's what I wanted to do and be. And of course, the X-Men, which were um, you know a group of mutants, and back in, in those days, uh, there was just the uh, the original five X-Men, which was you know Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Angel, Iceman, uh, and the Beast, and they all had different kind of uh, quirks about them. Um, Cyclops, of course, was the guy with the uh, um, eye beams and um, you know, he was always afraid to be out in public because if his glasses fell off, he could hurt somebody. And, and so he, um, he kept himself most of the time. The other X-Men tried to um, um, live normal lives, but Cyclops, because believing he was too dangerous, um, he didn't. He, he was by himself a lot. And these are the guys that uh, I, I kind of I, I, I idolized in, um, on that. But anyway, moving back to uh, what else also was going on in, in the '60s, um, on, on television was the uh, Twilight Zone. That was one of my favorite shows because, you know, it was had that good creepy vibe to it, and it wasn't the same kind of stories every week. You know, it wasn't just uh, um, it's not just a horror thing or it's not just a science fiction thing. Uh, sometimes there more there were morality plays uh, uh, and lessons that were there. Um, that um, you know Jim really liked, and I also was uh, you know the, the the kid would he would go home. My, my parents both worked, uh, and, uh, and and there were different time periods where my dad worked um, evening shifts, so he went to work at uh, like two o'clock in the afternoon, and my mom wouldn't get home to about five o'clock. She was a uh, worked for the phone company up in San Francisco, so there was a point of time where uh, you know we walked home by ourselves. Because it was, it was in third grade, I got home. Uh, I think I got out of school before my older brother and sister did. So, and, you know, I would walk the six blocks or whatever it was. It was kind of a, a big distance, uh, you know, up and down hills. 
and I had my own key, locked myself in, and then, you know, my brother and sister would come later, and I would watch TV, and of course, in the, back then, there were only three channels, um, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, I don't think we get, even got a, 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 um, uh, a, a VHF station at the time, but anyway, so, um, I used to like to watch um, Creature Feature or, or something like that. And he has played old old movies from the 50s and 60s. And, you know, that's where the uh, the the, uh, the movies like, you know, you would see Them or the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Lagoon. And a lot of these things were about um, kind of the, uh, the, uh, the promise and uh, the possible evil and the misuse of science. And that was a big deal. I loved that idea. They were, uh, you know, that, that science was going to be the, the, the cure-all for everything we did, but it was also most likely going to be our downfall, too. So the, uh, you know, and of course, uh, um, the atomic age was just starting in the 60s and all, and that's what everybody was talking about and worried about, right? We had these ideas that the, uh, you know, atomic energy was, was, was going to um, save, save the world, but then the atomic bomb could just could end it. And um, those were the, um, that was the vibe. Uh, so that's what the, uh, so, so that was a great time period because the idea that, that um, um, there was so much mystery around, uh, around science, you know, people talked about it, but uh, not everybody, uh, everybody understood it. So um, this is where the, um, uh, where the idea of Spark uh, came from. Originally, it was just a science fiction story. I did have to try to uh, put a new intro into it, uh, a couple pages into it, to make it a Labor Day story, um, where a guy kind of recounts his best, uh, you know, when his, his like a grandson asks him, you know, hey, hey Grandpa, what was the what was the best job you ever had? And and he starts telling him about you know this this idea. So Spark is about um, uh, it takes place like I said in the '60s, about in, in a hospital where a doctor believes that he has found irrefutable evidence of a human soul you know that the idea that that he could find that spark of consciousness that that thing that made uh, made you who you were and that not only he could that he could prove that it existed but that it it, it fell within the uh, um, electromagnetic spectrum and he could harness it as um, as energy and power and so that is where um that is what the idea behind spark uh spark came from and so that's the um uh where the uh, the, the idea came from and and uh, how uh, what it was written about and of course it's also about uh about good and evil and the and um uh, uh the misuse of, of power um because you know that's uh that's always a uh a thing i like to tapped on and um, and what makes people what makes people do the things they do, you know, and you know how do you you know how do you decide when to do uh, right and wrong? So there's a lot there's a lot in the story. It was it was a very fun um, a fun read to do uh, on that. And so that's what the um, uh, the, the story spark uh, came from. Um, but on that note, uh, speaking of uh, of um, Doctors, um, I had a uh, some years back, back when they, they used to do um, um, uh, colonoscopies, right? Because you, you can't talk about this without 
start talking about butt stuff. But colonoscopies, uh, it, nowadays, it, you just have to, uh, you could do a, 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 a non-invasive sampling. You know, you just take a little stool sample, mail, you know, toss it in the mail. It actually talks to stool in the, in the mail, but, you know, I, although I kind of like that idea. And, and they'll tell you whether you got it. But, uh, but some years back, about 10 years ago, uh, 10, 15 years ago, you had to actually go in for a procedure. And um, uh, it was the first time I was ever unconscious by... Um, by means of uh, anesthesia, right? I don't know if you've ever been in, 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 under in an operation before or under anesthesia. And I kind of like to hear what your what your uh, uh, take on it was. But for me, it was um, probably the, the creepiest thing ever. You know, I, I, they start with they, they give you a little Valium, whatever, just kind of calm you down, and you're, uh, you're you know you're, you're wheeled into this uh, the room. I suppose it's you know I don't know if it's an operating room. All they can do is you know, put a, uh, a tube up your butt, but whatever it was, um, it, they, they, you know, you have some value to kind of calm you down a little bit there. And then um, they put an IV, was it an IV? Yeah, whatever it was, an IV or a gas, whatever. Oh, I guess it was an IV, oh, whatever. And I remember the nurse, uh, uh, you know, looking at me and said, okay, uh, why don't you count uh, uh, backwards from 100? And, uh, you know, I can do that. You know, I got the 100, 99, 98 and that's it um, and then the rest is all black all black nothing and then the next thing I know I'm, I'm opening my eyes and um, I'm someplace else uh, you know obviously just in a recovery room type of thing I, my, uh, uh, I think this was probably my first, first wife no I don't remember what it was but there's a wife Second, uh, probably my second wife, yeah, uh, was there. Um, you know, how you doing? Are you doing okay? And I was like, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm fine. But I tell you, I was, um, uh, it, was I didn't, it wasn't all that, uh, I wasn't all that fine. At least Jim wasn't all that fine because uh, there was this feeling of a, a loss of, of time. And obviously there was time loss, right? Because he remembers going under and then now he's someplace else. He doesn't know how much time went by, and I think the, the procedure said it was like a, uh, a couple of hours, something like that. And, and I don't know how much afterwards, you know, I was I was was out. That gym was out, but um, he didn't like it. He didn't like that idea at all, and he didn't like it because um, he didn't drink. Usually, when you go, uh, um, you know, you, you, you know, people say, "Oh yeah, you know, he's like going to sleep." Well, when I go to sleep, I I dream. I uh, and I have um, I have some vivid dreams and uh, uh, at least Jim does and and and, uh, and I can remember most of them not all of them I think I read someplace that you you probably have like a 10, 10 to 12 dreams or something like that or uh, seven or eight dreams but maybe you remember the last the last two before you wake up um, but I I don't didn't recall any dream all I remember was 199 that is all I remember, and and then everything is just black. And, uh, and then you wake up someplace else. Uh, to me, the most unsettling um, instance ever. Um, and in between there, um, that was anesthesia. Uh, I had been uh, uh, knocked unconscious, um, and that's different. And I have, um, I don't want to say fainted passed out ah, fainted what the hell same thing and that's different because um, uh, blocking out 
banking life, uh, what I recall is this, is that there was this uh, uh, sort of sound of, of the ocean um, rising in my ears. A sound of the ocean that is blocking out every other noise around. And, um, and I'm kind of captivated by that sound of the ocean. Um, that, that is all I'm listening to. And there's people talking around me. Whatever they're saying uh, has no meaning to me because I'm not really interested. I'm more interested in the sound of the ocean. And then um, and I'm trying to, to look at what the sound is. And I, I can see things move in front of me. Only I'm not looking at them. I'm looking... I'm looking past them, I'm looking at something else, and then next thing I know, it's it's nighty night time, and that's what uh, for me, uh, you know, fainting or passing out um, was was like. Um, uh, getting knocked out was totally different. That was, uh, and, and it was, uh, it was anything um, special. I think the last time I was uh, I was playing softball, um, and JD was playing softball, and. Um, uh, and I was running for, I was in center field running for a ball when uh, right field was running uh, towards the same ball at the same time. I didn't see him. And um, we, we, we hit, we kind of collided. And, um, and my, and I did a face plant head first, boom. Um, and, it, you know, and sort of uh, kind of flipped over. And, and I do remember hearing people yelling uh, my name, you know, hey, hey you okay? You're right. And I want to say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Only, you know, the uh, one part of the brain says, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. But the part that's supposed to tell everybody that uh, he's fine, it's okay, um, uh, doesn't seem to be there until you hit the manual reset button and uh, and the system starts to boot up again. And then, you know, uh, you know, kind of people are helping you up or whatever or rolling you over. And you go, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And of course, you know, then the world is a little, little woozy. Um, it's, 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 it's that way on that. And so that was, um, you know, I, that was that episode. Um, and blocking out, like from drinking out or drugs, I won't admit to any such things whatsoever. Uh, I, I will never say that um, there was a time that, uh, that I um, uh, was at a friend's house. I won't mention who, who they were. Uh, and I, uh, and I had been drinking and um, maybe partaking of other um, substances were there. Uh, and then going, oh, poof, I guess I've got to drive home now. What the hell? Um, and looking around and going, oh, hmm, I am home. Hey, save myself a trip. Um, and, then, and then the next day is that murder mystery not real murder, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what, what happened the night before. And I do remember coming in, going out of my apartment. Um, I had a small studio apartment. And um, when I open the door, there is a trail of clothes. And they're mine. And, you know, there's there's some underwear, there's some socks, there's some pants, there's a T-shirt. And you could fall back until I could find where my car was, which was, you know, uh, uh, on the uh, curb. Uh, literally on the curb, one wheel was on the curb. Um the engine wasn't running, but the door was open and the keys were were, were still in the ignition. And I, you know, I, I had a, a my car at that time was was pretty crappy, so no one was going to steal it. Um, uh, uh, but uh, it was like, damn, <laughs> you know, that was weird. But anyway, so those were my uh, occurrences of being uh, unconscious at one time or another, and what that what that um, 
kind of what that felt like. Um, I'm interested to hear from everybody else. If they had the weird tales of uh, being unconscious or, boy, if you had a near-death thing, that would be kind of no. I, I never had a near-death uh, uh, episode, and uh, I don't really want one of those. I'm not sure which way I'd go on that. Uh, one is that um, I don't really have any relatives that I really want to see on the other side who would be uh, waving to me and, and saying, you know, Yimmy, come here, because I'll tell you this, I will not go to them. Um, uh, if there's a hell, that's probably where they are, most of them. Um, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this later, uh, of, of what uh, uh, what I think uh, visions of heaven, heaven and hell look like. I don't believe it. Uh, uh, Jim is a uh, flat-out uh, atheist, so he does not believe in the supernatural whatsoever. J.J. Elliott, however, uh, he is a guy who believes in just about, uh, he believes in the possibilities, right? Uh, the possibilities of, um, of life after death, of um, possibilities of um, time travel, and maybe, um, you know, um, having a do-over, of uh, maybe setting, setting some wrongs setting some wrongs right. There's lots of things that uh, Jim has done in his life that he's regretful for, regretful for. Um, but he knows that there's, uh, you know, life is what it is. And, um, you know, once you uh, ring a bell, you can't, you can't unring it. And all you can do is live with the consequences of your actions, right? That's it. That's all you get to do. And, um, and in some instances, um, you are um, you're going to be the villain in this story. Um, doesn't make you the villain overall in life, but in this particular episode, um, that's who you are. And when someone tells that story, um, that's where they're going to cast you as the uh, as the villain. And um, no matter how much how well you live your life, in some instance, at some time or some place somebody is telling a story about you and you're the villain in that story right someone is telling a story about you and you're the villain in that story and and maybe you're okay with that or you know maybe uh, uh like jim you, you guys you have um, you have some regrets on it um i guess the biggest regrets is if i hurt somebody that was um, unintentional if i hurt somebody that was intentional well, that's uh, i'm okay with that but it was unintentional. I, that's not what it, what it is. I remember saying to somebody once, um, I think it was a girl or a woman, or I, I said, the, the last thing I wanted to do was hurt you. And I think her response was, well, congratulations. I guess you got to the last thing. So, um, uh, you know, so the, so the um, there are regrets and, you know, be, because uh, JJ believes in, in second chances, I, I keep him around because that's um, I'm hoping that he's that he's right uh, on it. There could be second chances and a uh, a time for um, atonement and uh, making of amends. But um, you know, my belief or, or my experience is that it doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So you kind of live with the consequences, and and, and that is what it is. Um, I think you're just about the end here. Uh, uh, Hank, do you have anything to say? Okay, so that is the production value that we have here. 
Uh, Hank is the um, screaming goat uh, who lets me know uh, how much time I have. Uh, and I try to do somewhere between, um, I don't know, 40 minutes to an hour, something like that. So I want to make sure everybody gets their dime's worth uh, on this uh, podcast. And um, next week we're going to pick another uh, we can pick another story that we're going to talk about. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, there's about, there's 14 stories in, um, in the book Gallows Humor. And we're going to go through every one of them and talk about some of the um, underlying themes that were there. And some of them we're talking in, in good detail because the, 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 some of the stories are very complex and um, at least I think they're complex and there's um, some good nuances to it. I want to make sure I could point them out to people uh, about them. Um, the, the, the book Gallows Humor, which probably should make a plug for it, um, can be found on, um, on Amazon. It's there under uh, Gallows Humor or under the name J.J. Elliott. Uh, you'll also find the, my first novel, um, The Rats of Heaven. And we're going to talk about that one in another, another later episode as well, because and that's going to take a little longer because that is a uh, flat out, you know, 100,000 word, 300 page novel that we will talk about. Also, um, I started work on Gallows Humor 2, Tales from the Bar. And uh, the first story uh, entitled um, Devils in the Detail has been finished. I finished it. And that's a good one. I think uh, we'll talk about that one maybe. And I might give a sneak example, a little bit some uh, tidbits about that. I started a second story. Uh, I don't have a working title for it. I actually have a working title for it, but I'm not sure it's going to stay stay there. Um, but uh, uh, it's sort of a sequel to one of the Gallows Humor story, uh, uh, Leap of Faith. The two boys in that story, they get a they get another story in uh, Gallows Humor 2. Um, I also started the, um, uh, the, uh, the second novel, as, which is going to be a ghost story, Called Shadows of a Ghost. I have the uh, uh, first. Well, I have a sort of a layout of 30 pages of a, a characters uh, that I developed. Um, uh, two, the two, uh, the boy and girl, um, about them. But uh, I'm still working out through some of the details about what I want this haunted house to to, to be. Uh, and then um, I have um, I have four more characters that I have to develop. So I can stick them in this story and then um, swirl it about, torture the hell out of the good ones, and then um, and to see what uh, what comes of it. And to me, that's the essence of a, of a good ride. You know, you have a character you love, oh, torture the hell out of him, and just to see what kind of a kind of person he is. Uh, and that happens to me sometimes. You, you know, I start writing, and I think I know who this character is, and I start to write them, and I go, damn, I kind of like this person, or this person's an ass. And so, you know, sometimes the, uh, uh, as you write it, the, the, the characters will tell you what kind of a person they are. And you just kind of, kind of go with the flow on that. Anyway. So, um, uh, thank you for hanging out with me. This is, uh, uh, you know, we're almost at 45 minutes. So this is, uh, I appreciate uh, you coming. I will see you guys, uh, uh, next week, uh, on behalf of, uh, uh, Hardy, the world's smartest cat. Uh, myself, J.J. Elliott, and and Hank, uh, the engineer. Uh, this has been the Gals Humor podcast. Um, talk to you guys later. Have a good one.